this thing called sin that's in the world today. And, and there's not a lot of pastors and preachers that talk about sin. But if you're going to talk about God's holiness, you've got to talk about sin. If you're going to talk about heaven, you've got to talk about hell. I mean, you've got to do both. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Father, we come before you today and We're simply reminded of our depravity without you. We're reminded of how much we need you. Oh, how you have our attention. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd move in this place in a powerful way. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would Guard us from the schemes of the enemy, his lies and devices that he uses. We pray that you would keep us from those, guard us from those. Holy Spirit, there's not enough eloquence in this world to do the work that only you can do. Holy Spirit, there's not enough creativity and man-pleasing that we can do to do the work that only you can do. So Father, I pray very simply right now, open our hearts, open our minds, give us a thirst and a hunger and a desperation for your word. Because Holy Spirit, we know it's the truth of the Word that will set us free. Move in power, God. Move in might. Fight for us, O God. Fight for us, O God, in this moment. And if there's one here, maybe several, that have never truly surrendered their lives to You, May today be their day of salvation. Lord, we love You. We're willing to count the cost to follow You. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Take your Bible and turn to 2 Peter as we continue our study through Second Peter, as we open the Word, as we mind the Scriptures, as we bask in the joy of the Word together today. Now let's starve for the Word right now. Let's just starve for it. Let's hunger for it. Let's thirst for it. Let's feast on it together. Second Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read uh, verses 10 and 11 from last week and then dive into 12 through 15 for this week. 
Here's what the Word of God says, the Holy Word of God. 2 Peter 1, 10 through 11. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Verse 11, for in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me read you that last phrase there. For in this way, as we're practicing these qualities that give evidence of our salvation, there will be richly, lavishly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, verse 12 today, therefore, in light of what was just said, listen to Peter, listen to his heart here, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. However, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know, listen to this, since I know, Peter speaking, that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And lastly, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. We have to be reminded, don't we? It's interesting, how often do you and I need to be reminded of something? Uh, I have entered the age of setting my alarm clock on my phone multiple times during the day to remind me of something. Anyone else do the same pattern? I got four or five alarms going off throughout the day reminding me. Why? Because it's so easy to forget. If it's easy to forget the temporal things in life, what about the spiritual things? What about the things that really matter? See, Peter got this, didn't he? I think often we forget when we read 2 Peter, we forget who's writing this. Yes, the Holy Spirit, yes, His inspiration, amen, 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 but, but Peter, Peter the one, yes, Peter, getting out of the boats and walking on the water and seeing Christ, and he's doing well, but he takes his eyes off Jesus and he begins to sink. Yes, Peter, the very one, the very one Peter, Peter the one who denies Christ. I don't know this guy. I don't know him. Peter, Peter, with all his hang-ups in life, has now been used through this writing 
because his life has been transformed. And what a glorious message that is to me. What a glorious message I pray that is to you that even this morning earlier, I heard an incredible testimony of, of a person here in our church that was in the throes of sin, that was in the grip of sin. And, and they just said, look, man, that's who I used to be. And, and I'm no longer that way. And I've been freed from that. What a glorious testimony, amen? That's what Jesus does. And he did it for Peter, and he's using Peter, he's using this Petros, this, this stone, if you will, to begin to build his church. And I think we forget that. The Bible says this, Jesus, yes, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and we can forget this so often, that Jesus says that I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. What a glorious reminder to me and you today that as we're faithful, as we're obedient, that here's the deal, we continue to be faithful, we continue to be obedient, Jesus will build His church, and we got a promise that it doesn't matter the schemes of the enemy, the lies, the deception, the pushback, the resentment to the Word, it doesn't matter, because here's the deal, the gates of hell will not prevail. As your pastor, hear me clearly on this, we are not fighting a losing battle. No, we're fighting a battle that's already been won. And our job is to go along on God's mission, to stand tall for the gospel, to not bend, to not buckle, to not break, but to hold the line, to hold the line and not bow down. The culture wants Enon Baptist Church to bow down to all the idols. We're bowing down to Jesus and Him alone, amen? And Peter got this. You say, how do you know? Well, look right there in those verses that we just read. He says these beautiful words, so awesome. He says, I intend, in other words, I am focused on this to remind you by way of repetition is what that means. That's what that actually means in the Greek. Let me read this again. This is what it says in your Bible, ESV. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. In the Greek, it means this. I intend, yes, I, I'm focused on doing this always to repeat to you the truth of the Word. Why on earth is Peter telling the audience then and the audience today that he's going to repeat this stuff over and over to us? Why? Because we get spiritual amnesia, that's why. We can remember baseball scores and football scores and every other score. But do we even remember what we studied last week? So, so important because this Bible that I hold up in my hands today, this Bible that I intentionally hold above me because it's above me, this Bible that's the living, breathing Word of God, this Bible that will give you hope and identity and security, this Bible that will set you free, this Bible that is the Word of God, that's Jesus Himself breathing life through these pages to the soul. This Bible is what we stand on. This Bible is what we're anchored on. We will never win the world by becoming more like the world. We will win the world by becoming more like Jesus. It's costly, though. 
You're going to take a beating. But it's worth it. That's why I wrote this down in our key number one. Even though we may intellectually know biblical concepts, we must frequently be reminded of these truths ourselves and stir others up in the faith as well. Write that down, key number one. Even though we may intellectually know biblical concepts, we must frequently be reminded of these truths ourselves, me, you, and then stir others up in the faith as well. Think about this. These qualities, there's these seven qualities that we've been studying now for many weeks. We've been repeating these. The reason, here's a question, we've been repeating these, can you name the seven? Virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness or holiness, brotherly affection, love. See, Peter takes these seven qualities that are going to give evidence of my salvation, your salvation, and he says this, though you know them and are established, you're rooted, you're anchored in the truth you have, he says this, I think it right, I think it to be true, as long as I am in the body to stir you up by way of repetition. The word, the phrase, stir up, means this to awaken in the original It's kind of like the word revival, to awaken. Uh, We can be led astray spiritually. We can be flirting with the darkness spiritually. We can be playing patty cake with the enemy and his minions spiritually. And Peter, the one who denied Christ, the one who chops off ears, first one out of the boat, says, my life's been changed I'm still a work in progress, but oh, by the way, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to stir you up. I'm going to wake you up. Right now, I believe the church in America is largely asleep spiritually. It's time for us to wake up. Well, how? Why? Well, here's the challenge. I think we get stirred up and awakened by all the wrong things many times. When's the last time you got stirred up and awakened because you weren't pursuing holiness enough? That we'll get bent out of shape because we don't like the song. When the sermon's too long just way too easy to get focused on all the wrong things. Peter's saying, wake up. He's saying, wake up. Hebrews says it like this, chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. And let us consider how to, help me church, stir up one another to do what? To love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. Oh boy as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Not happy-sappy. Sometimes that word encourage means to give a kick in the pants. 
And all the more as you see the day drawing near. God, how many of you today believe this, that Jesus is coming back? Get, get your hands up really, really high. How many of you believe that? I believe without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus is coming back. Now, here's the deal. We're going to cut to the chase this morning, okay? You got one of two options. You either give your life to Jesus and live for Him and spend eternity with Him, or you don't, you live for self, and you rot in an eternal hell. Those are your two options. All your neighbors, all your coworkers, those family members that are playing patty cake with Jesus, just kind of doing the thing, if they have never given their life to Jesus, this may sound offensive, but it's Scripture, they're not going to be with Him. And at some point, we got to get to the point of realizing that that's what's at stake, that, that there's people today, maybe even in this room, that are living on borrowed time. And it's, it's high time to wake up, to get stirred up, to realize that this is not a country club. This is a warship that worships. And our aim is to pierce the darkness in Chester, Virginia, to reach the Tituses of the world. There's a bunch out there. They're all over the place. We prayer walk the neighborhoods. We talk to people. We see droves and droves of people that are desperately looking for something to fill the void and dull the pain of life. And for you in the room that have given your life to Jesus, you have the answer, and His name is Jesus. But what does the enemy want to do? He wants us to get stirred up about all the things that don't really matter. To neglect the things that really do matter. And one of the big things, you've heard me say this before, so yes, I'm going to repeat it. Sunday is the new Saturday. And it's one of the schemes of the enemy to get everyone busy, distracted from what really matters. Peter is so dialed in on this. You're going to see this here in a moment, how passionate he is. I wish somehow we could hear the tone in his writing. I wish we could see the tears perhaps dripping on the, the page as he's writing these words, because this is so beautiful when you look at Hebrews for a second time in chapter 3, verse 13. Here's what it says, but exhort. There's that word encourage. That's that word to literally you're stirring up one another. How often? Every day, as long as it's called to day, here it is, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You know what's interesting about sin is sin typically doesn't ring your doorbell, ding dong, I'm here, can I come in? Well, here's what sin does. Sin cloaks itself in something good, something our flesh desires, we begin to play patty cake with it. And the more we patty cake it, the more it seems right, seems real. We begin to justify it. And before we know it, we rationalize it. And now it's the carbon monoxide in our lives. We don't see it. We don't taste it. We don't smell it. But it's killing us from the inside out. That's what sin is. It's so easy to be hardened, calloused. I'm not getting what I want. I'll show them. Begin to harden the heart. Stiffen the neck, brazen the forehead. And for those that choose that path, God's going to war against them. You say, how do you know? Because my Bible tells me so. God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. 
You say, how do you connect all of this thought here of stirring and reminding and, and what's going on in Peter's life? Can, can you maybe give me another example? Because I, I hear Peter, but is there anyone else? Well, write down in your notes this passage from 2 Timothy. You talk about a glorious parallel passage. 2 Timothy chapter 1, 6 through 14. Listen to the holy word of God, what it says here. As Paul writes these glorious words, as he's pouring into young Timothy, this pastor, here's what he says, for this reason I, what church? Remind you to do what? To fan into what? Flame the gift of God. So we got to do something. It's just not showing up at church on Sunday or Wednesday. There's a fanning this flame, this nurturing, this fueling, this giving life, if you will, an obedient life, the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of what church? Of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner. Do you see this? This is so glorious. But share, share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Verse 9, who saved us and called us to His holy calling. Do you see the call of holiness? Not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death. Amen? and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know, for I know, for I know who I have believed, and I am convinced that He is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard, 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 and guard again the good deposit entrusted to you. Wow. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. We're in a battle. The good news is the battle belongs to the Lord and the gates of hell will not prevail. But church, we're in a battle. If we buy into the message of the world of apathy and indifference and lukewarmness and mediocrity spiritually, we're hurting ourselves. We're hurting our families. 
and we're hurting our church. Peter says, be stirred up. Be reminded. Be awakened. Live every day of your life, as the old phrase says. Find something, and we know what the something is. Find something worth dying for and go live for it. Give your life to Jesus and then go die for Him. That's the life of fulfillment. That's the life that's going to give you what you crave. You may be here today and you don't know who you are. You're trying to figure out your identity, your security. You're trying to figure out why there's fear everywhere, why there's anxiety everywhere. You're trying to figure out why people don't like you, whatever it is, fill in the blank. I know this, that because my Redeemer lives, because He's given me and prayerfully each of you a new life, a new hope, a new identity, a true security, as you begin to walk in Christ, as you begin to walk with Christ, as you walk with Him, and you hear that softly and tenderly Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me, Jesus is not a coupon. He's not a coupon that you just redeem and get the fuzzy dice. And so often that's what we see in our culture. Oh, how I must be reminded of key number one, myself. I'm talking to myself. I'm convicted in my spirit this morning. Even though we may intellectually, even though I, let me say it that way, even though I may intellectually know biblical concepts, I get this stuff, I've been studying it for years, I must frequently be reminded of these truths myself, and I must stir others up in the faith as well, because time is fleeting, and we can't cross our fingers and hope those family members just somehow give their lives to Jesus. We can't just cross our fingers and hope that co-worker, that neighbor gives their life to Christ. We need to be praying fervently. We need to be taking action. We need to be reaching out. We need to be going into the neighborhoods that you live in, going across the street. We'll often get on a plane and we'll go across the world on a mission trip. We just won't go across the street to share the gospel. We need to change our thinking. We need to wake up and realize that it's high time and we're here for this appointed time, for such a time as this to redeem the time on this corner. And I I believe God as we obey. I believe God as I repent, as you repent. I believe God as we humble ourselves. I believe He's going to do great and mighty things on this corner, all for the praise of His glory. But so often we need to be reminded and stirred up. Well, Peter concludes with these words in 14 and 15. He says this, And listen to his heart here. He says the words preceding because he says these words now in 14. Since, because I know is what that means. Because I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. Did you catch that? And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Let me read this again to make sure this 
sunk in and you caught this detail. Verse 14 in your Bible in front of you or on the screen. Since I know, so there's a not I feel, but there's a, a knowing. That no words, it's an intimate word. It means this, that th- there's no doubt. Peter's saying, I know this. Not doubting it, it's real. Since I know that the putting off of my body, he's saying he's going to die is what he's saying. But did you catch this? As our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. Think about this for a moment. Uh, Peter most likely is in his 70s. That's kind of wild, isn't it? He's writing this most likely in the 70s. Did you see the determination? Do you see the surrender? Do you see that, that this is not something that he's playing games with, but he's saying, this has really changed my life. And he's most likely writing this from a Roman prison. The hands of Nero are baited with poison. Nero's circus, as we know, would do horrific things to Christians that they would be released in that Colosseum and, and lions would, would tear them to shreds as people cheered and jeered. But make a note of this. It's not on the screen, but write down John chapter 20, 18 through 19. Because Jesus in those verses prophesies Peter's death. That's kind of wild, isn't it? It kind of reminds me of Paul on the Damascus Road, and, and Jesus goes, hey, Paul, actually Saul, he goes, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then he says these words, you are a chosen vessel of mine, Saul, to be Paul, to suffer greatly for my name. See, how will you, how will I, if we're going to stand in the midst of a culture that hates Jesus, and I'm assuming you're here at church, so I'm going to assume this, that if I was to ask the question, how many of you believe that there's no greater gift than Jesus Christ? I believe every hand would go up in the room. So if we believe that that truly is the greatest gift, there must be a reason for the greatest gift. So if we backtrack upstream, we realize that the greatest gift is because of this thing called sin. This thing called sin that's in the world today, and and there's not a lot of pastors and preachers that talk about sin, but if you're going to talk about God's holiness, you got to talk about sin. If you're going to talk about heaven, you got to talk about hell. I mean, you got to do both. And and here we see so clearly that, that Peter has had his life transformed, that his life is no longer his own, and he says, look, wait a minute, guys, I know that I'm going to die soon but I'm going to make every effort so that, there's the why, that after my departure, my death, you may be able at any time to recall these things. That's the why. See, he's doing what he's doing for the why. Where this thing has went off the rails across America is that we focus for decades now on the what. We've forgotten about the why. We've gotten away from the why. Why are we doing this? Not what are we doing. Hey, let's just do a bunch of programs. Let's make everybody happy, and we'll just go on our merry way. 
At some point, that's going to blow up in the road. You get people to gravitate towards the why. Why are we doing this? We're doing this to reach the Tituses of Chester, Virginia. Amen? That's why we're doing this. Because if we really personally have this treasure, if you're here today and you truly have this treasure in jars of clay, if you really have the gospel living inside of you, if it's real and it's true, it's not false, it's not phony, it's not baloney, but it's real, it's true, if that's the case in your life, you will resonate with this thought. It's in this broken jar of clay, and the text says it there. Why? So that the power may be of God and not of us. That's the whole point. That we go from this place today, we go from the locker room of Enon Baptist Church, and we go to the game field of life, and we go live the gospel. Everywhere you go, every person you're touching, gas station, grocery store, bakery, job, retirement center, family reunion, wherever you're going, you just live the gospel. And it will be the greatest sermon, yes, that you will ever preach. Think about this last key, key number two, write this down. And this is a sobering thought, but it's true. Since none of us are immortal in our earthly flesh, we're all going to die unless Jesus returns. We must have a sense of intentionality and a sense of urgency to be a fully devoted disciple of Jesus that makes fully devoted disciples of Jesus. Ask yourself that question as I have asked myself over this past week. Only you and the Lord can really address that truthfully. The same with me. But how intentional and how urgent am I and are you with making disciples because we ourselves are being made a disciple? See, it's all an outflow. <laughs> it's root and fruit. It's going to be hard to go make a disciple if you and I are not a disciple. But when we are a true disciple and we've given our life to Jesus, we understand that nothing else matters, that there's nothing else. You can get the big house, the nice cars, the vacations, the bank account, the 401k. You can have all that stuff. But here's what you learn pretty quickly, that, that when you have all that and that has all you and you really have not given your life to Jesus, you are on this constant treadmill of searching, searching, searching for something, anything to give you what you're craving for. And what you're craving for is actually Jesus. Jesus and Him alone. That's what the gospel does. That's why the enemy is so intent. Woo. He is so intent on slinging his fiery darts. Because he knows if he can just keep people, if he can just, he knows, if he can just keep people out of this, he knows He's got them. Because this is what will set you and I free. Think about what Paul poured into Timothy in 2 Timothy again, chapter 4, 6 through 8. He says these words. Sound familiar? For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. Any idea what that means? Yeah, you're right. The time of my departure has come. 
First Peter, we, we just read Peter here in Second Peter. First we looked at him, now we're looking at, at Paul. They're going to exit this life. But here's the deal, and I pray this for me, and I pray this for you. I pray this will be on our tombstones. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Amen? Henceforth, there is laid up for me. I love this. I just love this. Man, this is good. (laughs) All the foolishness will be worth it all right here. Verse 8. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Amen. That just brings me to tears. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Not everyone, church, not everyone that's been baptized or who has walked an aisle will fall into that category. But only the ones who've truly surrendered their life to Jesus. Is that you? Can you say today without a shadow of a doubt that that you know that you've surrendered your life to Jesus? Can you say today without a shadow of a doubt that you know that you're holding nothing back, that you're not holding on to anything else, but all you're hanging on to is Jesus and Him alone? Can you say that today? That thought was stirring in my mind so much here recently that it led me to Philippians chapter 2, this great, great text in Philippians. I encourage you to read it all later. But look at 14 through 18. This intentionality, this urgency of stirring up and knowing that our departure might be at hand today. It says, do all things. How many things, church? All things without grumbling or disputing. Why? Here it is. That you may be able to what? Be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among you. This is so good. This this is so good. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Do you know that? That if you're a true believer in Christ today, that, that you actually are a light You're light in darkness. You're you're a beacon of hope that that as you live your life at the workplace, as you live your life in that family that maybe doesn't like Jesus, that that you're a light. You're you're a living sermon to them. And then it goes on so beautifully. Look at the screen here for a moment. It says this phrase. I love this. Holding fast. To what? To what? Your bank account? No. Your family? No. No. Your job? No. Your dreams? No. Holding fast to what? Here it is. This is why we do what we do. This is it. Is it any wonder the enemy is doing everything he can to keep people away from this. Oh, we need to be stirred. We need to be awakened. Why? Because Philippians tells us, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud, not boastful, 
proud, though, that I did not run in vain, in deadness, in uselessness, or labor, in deadness, vain, uselessness, even if I am what? To be poured out to die as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad, (laughs) and I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Think about this final Scripture passage I want to give you. It's found again in 2 Timothy. Write it down, chapter 2, verse 1. Listen to what this says as we drive this point home. Intentionality and urgency. Listen to Paul pour this into Timothy. You then, my child, be strengthened how? By the grace that is in who? Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim, here it is, is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have, what, the first share of the crops. Think over, here's what he's saying, be reminded. Repeat, repeat, repeat what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember, bring to mind, repeat, repeat, repeat. Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. Here it is. But the word of God is not bound. And all God's people said, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. They also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This saying is trustworthy, for if we died, for if we have died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, however, in those moments of faithlessness, when our life is true, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. Therefore, 14, remind. (laughs) We're saying this a lot. Bring to remembrance. Repeat, repeat, repeat them of these sayings. Why? Because we forget them and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, not disapproved. You got to do something, though. A worker who is what? Who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, but avoid. Here he goes again. We see the same theme repeated over and over, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness and holiness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Amanius and Philetus. Wow. Think about this, church. Everything 
hinges on sola scriptura. The Bible alone. Everything hinges. Everything hinges. As I look at this Bible in front of me, everything hinges on sola scriptura alone. We're saved, yes, by, by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, and to the glory of God alone. Amen. You know, the reality is this. As one person once said, to warn people of danger is the kindest act of love. To warn people of danger is the kindest act of love. Take that to the spiritual realm. The wages of sin is spiritual death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who today needs to be stirred up and awakened? Who today needs to go stir someone else up and awaken them? Oh church, I pray, I pray and I plead with you. Be reconciled to God. We don't know what tomorrow may bring. But for those who've given their lives to Jesus, we know who holds tomorrow. Amen? And we rest in that truth. Oh, Father, we come before You today and we worship You in this hour. Holy Spirit, we pray that You would move all through this auditorium. Holy Spirit, we pray that we would not grieve nor quench You. Holy Spirit, we pray that if there's one that has never surrendered their life to You, that we pray right now they would do so. Holy Spirit, grab a hold of us. Stir us. Shake us. Awaken us to the spiritual reality of what's going on around us, God. Father, we know the enemy's real. But we know You're greater. And so whatever he's attempting to do, even in this moment, Holy Spirit, all over this room, I pray his schemes will come to nothing. Expose his schemes for what they are. Bring them to light. By your power, through humility and contrition, bring us to the foot of the cross. And whatever it costs us, help us to boldly hold the line, being willing to suffer the consequences. Oh, Father, draw many to yourself right now. Right now. Draw that person that's walking in disobedience. Draw that person that needs to give their life to You. Draw that person that needs to be baptized. Draw that person that's not committed. 
draw that person right now who's walking in darkness. Oh, Holy Spirit, move in power in this place. Move in power. May we never, may I never be the same again from this day forward. Don't allow us to quench or grieve you, but have your way with us now. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.